Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Columbia, South Carolina. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Twenty-one-year-old Samantha Josephson was a rare breed. She was good at damn near everything, but also as humble as they come. She'd done well in high school, got herself into USC, and in December of 2018, Heavy reports that she found out that she got a full scholarship to Drexel Law School. While that was a massive accomplishment, her father told ABC Columbia that she didn't even want to tell people because she didn't want to brag. Obviously, with this whole outlook on life, Samantha had no shortage of friends. She had her Alpha Gamma Delta sorority sisters, her boyfriend of two years, and honestly, everyone else she met. Everyone who knew Samantha felt like they were her best friend because that's how she treated them. She was goofy and fun, she was full of energy, knew how to read the room, and was authentically herself in every situation. According to the Post and Courier, she would actually wish Lil Wayne a Merry Christmas every year, just hoping that he would respond. On Thursday, March 28, 2019, Samantha and her friends headed out to the Five Points area of Columbia, South Carolina for a night on the town. She'd wanted her boyfriend to come up from Charleston for the night to join in, but they were going to see each other in a couple of days, so he decided not to make the two-hour drive. Five Points is a pretty nice little area that had come a long way in the last decade. It's basically College City where you'll find hundreds of students letting loose every night. It was well lit, pretty clean from what I can tell, and there were always people around. You might go there with a group of friends, but once you're there, you're bound to run into a couple other dozen people you know from school. By 2 a.m., the bars close and there are college students lining the streets some with designated drivers, and some standing around waiting for their Uber to come. And that's what Samantha was doing. She and her roommates lived about a mile and a half northwest of the bar, and she'd called an Uber to come pick her up and take her back. But Samantha never came back. Samantha was about as reliable and responsible as they come, so her roommates were a little concerned almost immediately. But she was an adult, and the thought that something terrible was going on wasn't quite there yet. But when they woke up the next morning, the feeling that something was wrong was pretty strong. According to WIS-TV, her roommate checked in with Samantha's work to see if she had shown up, but she hadn't, and she hadn't even called to let them know that she wasn't going to be there. She tried calling and texting Samantha, but her phone was off. At this point, there was no question in their mind that something was wrong, so 11 hours after Samantha was last seen, her roommate called 911 to report her missing. With Samantha reported missing, everyone started calling anyone to try and figure out who she had talked to last, and it looked like that was her boyfriend. It was around 2.04 a.m., and she had told him that she was waiting for her Uber. The two of them actually shared their locations with one another, and he, too, had noticed that something was off about the night before. According to Law & Crime, Samantha's boyfriend noticed that after she told him that her Uber was there, her phone started driving in the opposite direction of her apartment. He texted her, but they never showed as red, so he called her, but she didn't answer. He even tried reaching out to her on Snapchat, but that didn't work either. And while he thought all of this was strange, he ultimately went to bed assuming that she just left her phone in the Uber.
Knowing that Samantha had been sharing her location with her boyfriend, they checked his Find My Friends app, and the last place that Samantha's phone had been before it turned off was at a house in the Rosewood neighborhood. The Rosewood neighborhood is just about a mile and a half south from the bar that Samantha was last seen at, so her friends decided to drive down there and see if they could find her. But once there, they found nothing. With no idea of where she could be, they started calling around to local hospitals, but she wasn't at any of those either. While her friends were out doing that, Samantha's boyfriend started driving up from Charleston and her parents flew down from New Jersey. When Samantha's boyfriend got to Columbia, he went straight to the bar where Samantha was the night before and asked to look at the security footage. Right there, standing in front of a huge crowd of people, was Samantha. She was wearing a cute little orange top, long pants, and platform sandals and was talking on the phone waiting for her Uber. At 2.09 a.m., a black Chevy Impala took a sharp right at the stoplight beside her, rolled over the curb a little, parked in the handicapped spot right in front of the bar, and without hesitation, Samantha opened the back passenger door and got in. The black Impala drove away, and no one ever saw her alive again. The video has been shared across several different media sites, and from what I counted, the entire interaction took 11 seconds. In 11 seconds, Samantha was gone. Samantha's disappearance hit the news pretty quickly, and her massive group of friends weren't hesitant to talk at all. One friend told Fitz News that even though Samantha had called for an Uber that night, her Uber had been canceled which meant that the intended Uber driver had shown up to pick her up, but Samantha wasn't there. The Uber driver had canceled her ride as a no-show, which then begged the question, who was driving the black Impala? Certainly, if she knew the driver, she would have gotten into the front passenger seat, but she didn't. Judging by that short CCTV clip, it looked like Samantha had gotten into that vehicle thinking it was her Uber, but it definitely was not which opened up a whole new can of concern. In researching this case, I found that a lot of people have gotten into cars thinking that they were their rideshare vehicles, only to find out that they weren't. In almost all of these cases, the driver was confused and the rider immediately got out of the car. But with Samantha, this driver drove off. So he either offered her a ride anyway and she agreed, which seems unlikely, or he full-on pretended to be her Uber driver and then drove in the opposite direction of her apartment. We should also consider the fact that this car pulled into that parking space nine minutes after the bar closed, so it wasn't like they were going to the bar to hang out. It was almost as if they were driving around hoping that someone would mistake them as a rideshare driver. Every attempt to find Samantha had come up empty, so that night, the state reports that her friends went back to the Five Points area and handed out pictures of her and photos of that black Impala asking if anyone had seen either. They had no idea that Samantha had already been found. The media hadn't reported on it yet, but just before 4 p.m. that day, 67 miles away on Black Bottom Road in New Zion, Two turkey hunters were out in the woods when they came across a body just 40 feet from a rural dirt road in the middle of Nowheresville, Nothing Town. The body was unrecognizable, but based on the clothing description, police were fairly certain it was Samantha. She was ultimately ID'd through her DNA, and it was clear that she had been killed. All of this happened in the span of 14 hours. 
The following morning, her father posted the following message to Facebook. It is with tremendous sadness and a broken heart that I post this. I will miss and love my baby girl for the rest of life. Samantha is no longer with us, but she will not be forgotten. It is extremely hard to write this and post it, but I love her with all my heart. I could continue to write about her, but it kills me. I sit here and I cry while looking at the picture and writing this. The road that Samantha was found on wasn't a road that was regularly driven down. A man who lived nearby said that it was essentially a back road that people would go down to smoke, drink, and illegally dump trash. What I'm getting at is that you don't know this road exists unless you're familiar with the area. With that in mind, police set out to try and find that black Impala that Samantha had gotten into the night before, and that didn't take them long. Around 3 a.m. the following morning, 25 hours after Samantha went missing, an officer spotted a black Impala that matched the bolo that had been put out. It was just a couple of blocks from the exact bar Samantha had gone missing from the night before. Police pulled the car over for a routine traffic stop and asked the driver, 25-year-old Nathaniel David Rowland, to get out of the vehicle, and when he did, he booked it. Police were able to catch up with him and detain him, but while he was being detained, officers saw what WLTX reports as dark fluid in the vehicle. With probable cause to search, Fox Carolina reports that they found a lot of blood in the passenger compartment, which I've learned is basically anywhere but the driver's seat, and in the trunk. They also found Samantha's cell phone along with bleach, window cleaner, and cleaning wipes. If someone is super into their car, I can see having window cleaner and wipes, but bleach is a hard no. But then again, if someone is really into their car, they probably don't have big pools of blood in it. The state of Roland's car was what nightmares are made of, and that was only made worse when police realized that the child's safety lock was on. That means that while it was easy for Samantha to get into the Impala, she would have had no way to get out. She couldn't open the door from the inside, and she couldn't roll down the window. She was trapped. Without any hesitation, Nathaniel David Rowland was charged with the kidnapping and murder of Samantha Josephson. Police told WYFF, I met with the family and our hearts are broken. Nothing is tougher than to stand before a family and explain how a loved one was murdered. Knowing our suspect's name, let's dig into his social media profile a little. Back in 2011, eight years prior, he had started a little blog about himself where he talked about being the youngest of four kids, being especially close with his siblings, and saying that he was a strong believer in God. He wrote about his love for basketball, and for all intents and purposes, he seemed like a really normal kid. However, the kid who wrote that blog is a stark contrast to the grown man he was on his Facebook account. He wrote about coming with the gang and being the baddest bitch in here. What was most shocking about his Facebook were the posts that he'd made on the 29th, the day Samantha was abducted, the same day her body was found. In the early morning hours, he posted about his basketball skills, and after she went missing, he posted, I'll love to do it with ya, but I'll be damn if I can't do it without ya. Followed by, it's only one me. I just make it look easy until you step in these shoes. 
The comments under these posts blew up, and according to Heavy, someone claiming to be a friend of his said that Roland was a nice guy, but that he didn't look right in his mugshot. That mugshot that was circulating wasn't recent, though. It was actually from five months earlier in October of 2018 when Fox 57 reports that he was charged with obtaining property under false pretenses after he was caught trying to pawn a stolen PlayStation 4. That's not the interesting part, though. That stolen PS4 was tied back to a kidnapping and robbery that had taken place the night before. Fox 57 was able to get the documents and talk to the alleged victim, who said that she was sitting at a stoplight when two men attacked her, made her drive to an ATM, then to her house where that PS4 was taken from. She told Fox 45 that the men told her that they'd let her go, but that she needed to remain calm. It seems like that escalated, though, because she told the station that they'd also told her to count to 100 or they would kill her that they'd actually threatened to kill her, her mom, and her cat. According to the station, when shown the photo of Roland, she said she didn't recognize him, but he was caught trying to pawn that PlayStation just hours later. On March 31st, Roland was supposed to be attending his bond hearing, but he waived the right. And while he wasn't there, Samantha's family made it a point to attend. At the hearing, WXLT reports that they made the following statement. My daughter, Samantha Josephson, was more affectionately known to her family as Sweet Pea. Let me tell you how my daughter, Samantha, was bubbly, loving, kind, and full of life. She had a plan, she worked hard, was graduating from college in May, and starting law school in September. Unlike him, Samantha valued human life and could never harm another soul. Unlike him, Samantha had love within her heart and a purpose in her life, the life he brutally ended. He took away our daughter, a sister, a granddaughter, a niece, a cousin, and a friend to so many. His selfish, unspeakable, and violent actions have created a hole in the universe, a hole in our universe, and we see the unimaginable ripple effect on our world. There are no words to describe the immense pain his actions have caused our family and friends. He's taken away a piece of our heart, soul, and life. Shame on him. We'd like him to be here to see his evil face. I cannot fathom how someone could randomly select a person, a beautiful girl, and steal her life away. His actions were senseless, vile, and unacceptable. It sickens us to think that his face was the last thing our baby girl saw on this earth. Does he even know her name? He should never be given the right to walk free again for what he did to my daughter or given the opportunity to hurt anyone else. My daughter's name is Samantha Josephson. Don't ever forget her name. Samantha Josephson. Shame on him. The following day, the coroner's office released a statement. It said that Samantha had died of multiple sharp force injuries to her head, neck, face, upper body, leg, and foot. She had been brutally attacked, and with the injury to her foot, it seemed clear that whatever happened in the back of that Impala, Samantha fought for her life. That same day, Fox 57 was able to interview Roland's parents, who didn't think police had the right guy, saying that the child they raised couldn't do something like this. According to them, he was actually passed out at a party when Samantha got into the Impala. They seem genuinely sad for Samantha's parents, but do not believe that their son was involved. 
His cousin from all the way in Texas spoke out to the News and Observer and reiterated that someone else had to have taken Samantha because Roland was passed out at a party when she was taken and that someone else had taken the Impala, that police only assumed it was him because he ran when they pulled him over. The cousin told the station that when Roland woke up and checked his pockets, the keys to the Impala were gone, so he walked outside to try and find the car, and lo and behold, there it was, and according to him, the keys were still in it and there was blood inside. Let's go ahead and break this down. The three people claiming that Roland was passed out at a party are his parents and a relative in another state. So far, none of them seem to be actual witnesses to this party. And with Roland being so shithoused drunk, he sure did seem sober enough to post on Facebook in the wee hours of that morning. And with all the things he posted about on Facebook, he certainly didn't post about his beloved Impala being stolen, which he posed in front of several times. He did, however, manage to make other posts. All that aside, let's get to the elephant in the bullshit. The fact that if he was passed out and his vehicle had been stolen by someone who committed a murder in his car, but was kind enough to bring it back with the keys in it, he failed to report the theft to police, nor the fact that there was blood all over it. Oh, and the fact that the body of the murdered woman just so happened to be found a whopping four and a half miles from the home he grew up in. If we're talking about distance from the house to her body as the crow flies, it's just over a mile. He's either the dumbest and most unlucky person to ever grace the planet, or he is the guiltiest motherfucker in the land. On Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019, Samantha Josephson was laid to rest and hundreds of people attended her funeral. While waiting on court dates, her parents and friends worked relentlessly to change regulations and laws to make ride-sharing safer and to prevent anything like this from happening to anyone else. They started the What's My Name campaign, where they encourage all riders to ask their rideshare drivers what their name is before getting into the vehicle. This requires them to be privy to the app information so they can avoid people who are pretending to be rideshare drivers. You can learn more about the campaign on whatsmyname.org. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy actually signed Sammy's Law, which requires rideshare driver companies to provide their drivers with two placards for the front and back of their vehicles that display their names, photos, and license plate numbers, and to provide machine-readable codes so that passengers can scan and identify whether or not the vehicle that pulled up is the one they reserved. WCNC reports that North Carolina Governor Cooper signed a law that requires rideshare drivers to have an illuminate sign of their rideshare logo. It also made it a misdemeanor to impose a rideshare driver and also requires rideshare drivers to display their plate numbers on the front of their car. While Roland was not a rideshare driver, he didn't have any front plates on his vehicle, which made it that much harder to track down. A spokesperson for Uber told WISTV, since 2017, we've been working with local law enforcement and college campuses across the country to educate the public on how to avoid fake rideshare drivers. Everyone at Uber is devastated to hear about this unspeakable crime, and our hearts are with Samantha Josephson's family and loved ones. We remained focused on raising public awareness about this incredibly important issue. 
According to USA Today, Uber had already been rolling out a sign that would light up with a color that the passenger had picked so they would know which ride was theirs. WLTX reports that Lyft actually stepped up their safety measures too by adding an in-app panic button and access to 911. A couple of months passed with court dates that didn't result in anything or even Roland showing up, but his preliminary exam was scheduled for May. It looks like that might have been a scheduling error because when the day came, WIS-TV reported that it had been canceled because Roland had already been indicted. In a preliminary exam, evidence is presented to a judge who then determines if there's enough probable cause to uphold the charges. But a grand jury had already done that. All that was left was to head to trial. During the wait, Roland's parents stood firm in their belief that their son had nothing to do with Samantha's murder, telling Fox 57 that they were certain he was innocent because there is no conclusive evidence that he killed Samantha. I'm not saying this is a spoiler alert, but I don't believe that statement is going to age well. It took more than two years for Roland to stand trial, but when he did, he made sure to make an ass out of himself. According to the Post and Courier, on the first day of jury selection, he decided to tell the judge that he wasn't happy with his counsel, that she was unprepared and disorderly, and that his family had been in contact with another attorney to represent him. They may have been in contact, but the outlet reports that his appointed counsel had been in contact with this new attorney the night before, and they had not been retained. Regardless, the judge told him that if he did in fact have a new attorney, they better make it to the courthouse ASAP. You'll be shocked to learn that that didn't happen. And according to the Post and Courier, when the judge asked him at the end of the day if he was happy with his appointed counsel, Roland gave him a thumbs up. On July 20th, Roland's trial began, and the entire thing was streamed on Court TV. It's still available there for anyone who wants to watch, and it was reported on in-depth by Law & Crime, Fitz News, WIS-TV, ABC4, WLTX, Bing XO, The State, Stephen Fastenow from The Post and Courier, CNN, and The New York Post. Everything I mentioned below is from those sources. During Roland's trial, we learned that the weapon used to kill Samantha was a knife-like device. I don't know if you're familiar with Leatherman multi-tools, but that's what it looks like. It looks like two little rectangles that when you pull them apart, you can flip them around and pliers come out, and the little rectangles become the handles. There are also other little tools in it like knives, wire cutters, and files. That knife-like tool with Samantha's blood and hair on it was found in the trash can behind a woman named Maria's home. He had gone to her house early that morning to pick her up and take her to work. Also in that trash can behind her home were paper towels, cleaning products, gloves, Roland's bloody clothes, and a sheet with Samantha's blood on it. In a closet upstairs in Maria's home was a pillowcase matching the sheet. The blade on the knife-like tool was a match to Samantha's wounds. She had been stabbed so many times that it was hard to count, but the guesstimate was around 120 times. She had a stab wound in her ear, behind her right ear, which looks like it punctured an artery. She had a stab wound that severed a bone in her neck and one that went through her skull and into her brain. Samantha was brutalized, and judging by the amount of blood loss, she was alive for most of the attack. The medical examiner noted that she had roughly two tablespoons of blood left in her body. 
She had ripped her fingernails, and when her body was found, her sandals had ripped and were only attached at her ankles, and her shirt was so soaked in blood that they couldn't tell the original color. We mentioned a woman earlier named Maria, and she was a woman who Roland had been spending time with. He would sleep over at her house, but she testified that when she went to bed the night of the 28th, he was there, but when she got up the next morning, he wasn't. She didn't have a vehicle of her own, so Roland was supposed to take her to work that morning, the morning of the 29th. She texted him when she realized that he wasn't there, but he didn't respond. When he did show up, she said that he was still wearing the same clothes that he had on the night before. Maria testified that her McDonald's visor was in the back window of Roland's car the day before, but it wasn't there anymore. She asked him where it was and said that Roland told her that it was in the country and that it had blood on it. When she asked why and why there was blood in his car, he told her to mind her business. Maria said she saw blood on the dash of the car, beside the seats, and in the back seat, which she said was mostly covered by a sheet. Later that day, Roland picked up Maria's young daughter in that same car, and her little pink shoes were found in a closet in Maria's home with Samantha's blood on the bottom. Samantha's bloody footprints were found on the car's window, and her blood was also found on the front headrest, rear seat, and driver's side seatbelt buckle, to name a few. Something about him buckling his seatbelt after what he did to Samantha makes me want to rage. On the night-slash-early morning hours when Samantha was abducted, the prosecutor said that Roland's car was seen circling the block several times before picking up Samantha, who without a doubt assumed that he was her rideshare driver. Once she got in the car, hers and Roland's phones tracked together into the Rosewood neighborhood until Samantha's phone turned off. Roland's phone was then tracked traveling along Sumter Highway at 3.20 a.m. and into New Zion, which is where Samantha's body was found. Not long after, Roland's phone was unlocked and there was a search for porn. After Samantha died, a man in a hood was caught on video trying to use her debit card at two ATMs, but failed to use the right PIN number nine different times. They were able to visually match the shoes the man was wearing in the ATM video as the same kind of shoes found in Roland's car. Having failed at getting money out of her bank account, a man driving a black Chevy Impala went to Cellular City and tried to sell an iPhone 7 Plus. Samantha's phone was turned back on at that location. The employee identified the man trying to sell the cell phone as Roland and said that he had offered him $120 for the phone, but Roland wanted more, so he left with it. This piece of shit tried to haggle the price of his murder victim's phone. In the early morning hours of the 30th, a little more than 24 hours after Samantha was last seen, Roland was pulled over just blocks away from where she was taken the night before. Aside from her blood and phone, which was found in her car, they also found a set of keys with a pink key ring and in the trunk found that McDonald's visor. And while it wasn't in the country, like he'd said, it did have suspected blood on it. They also found a written list on the back of an envelope that said duct tape, tape her whole body, gloves, all black, flip phone, gasoline, matches. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Roland's main line of defense throughout this entire trial was that none of his DNA was found on Samantha's body. However, the prosecution shit all over that was something way more damning. Sure, his DNA wasn't found on her body, but hers was found on his. It took the jury less than an hour and a half to come back with a verdict, and it comes as no surprise that he was found guilty. Victim impact statements were read right then and there, and Samantha's father handed the judge a book of 90 statements made by friends and family. Roland made a statement that he was innocent and blamed the cops for not investigating more, as if it gets any more thorough than this. The judge, who was the ultimate badass, told Roland that the investigation into Samantha's murder was incredible and that all roads led to him. He told Roland that he had a depraved heart and demons residing in his soul. In a more complete statement, CNN quotes the judge as saying, The evidence is so substantial in this case, pointing to your guilt, and I emphasize it and re-emphasize it because of the horrific and most brutal nature of this crime. It could not be worse. It's the most severe murder that has occurred that I have been a witness to as far as presiding in court or participating in as a lawyer. And for whomever asked me for leniency, that's not part of my DNA. The New York Post quotes him as saying, She obviously put up an amazing fight against you and left a sufficient trail for the jury to see what you did. Roland couldn't muster up even an ounce of emotion or remorse throughout the entire trial, not even when he was sentenced to the rest of his natural life in prison. For no reason whatsoever, in a random crime that seems to have had no motive, Nathaniel Rowland pretended to be an Uber driver and brutally murdered Samantha Josephson, a future lawyer who was everyone's best friend. Because of her death, laws and regulations have changed to help ensure the safety of rideshare riders everywhere. Her father told the Courier and Post that he doesn't want anyone to forget her. To learn more about the What's My Name campaign, go to whatsmyname.org, where they ask everyone to stop, ask, match, and inform with tips following each letter. Stop. Plan ahead before you request a ride, think about where you're headed, and review the safety features in the app so you know how to use them. Ask. Ask your driver, What's My Name, to confirm they have booked a trip with you through the ride-sharing app. Match. Match the make, model, and license plate of the car with the one displayed in the app. Inform. Share the details of your trip with a friend. Utilize the share status function in your ride-sharing app. Each letter from stop, ask, match, and inform spells out Sammy. 
Samantha's parents can't get their daughter back, but they're committed to doing whatever they can to stop it from happening to anyone else. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Samantha's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month, all your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch, and of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.